0: SoFi, the all-in-one super app for banking, borrowing, and investing. Earn industry-leading APY, get great loan rates, and trade stocks. SoFi, get your money right. Banking products and loans offered by SoFi Bank N.A., NMLS 696891. Brokerage and active investing products offered through SoFi Securities, LLC. Member FINRA SIPC. 30 days has September, April, June, and Dan. November. Which makes today the final day of the month, which is crazy it's when you crazy. think about it. Novi 30. We're headed to December. For you futures traders, you know that December, the letter is Z. Z. And then when I hear Zed, you think about Pulp Fiction. Zed's dead. He certainly is. Yeah. But you know what's not Ted. The market. So let's uh, take a look yeah. at the rundown. <laughs> Because yields are moving a little bit today in the back of that PMI number that came in hot. Salesforce, that comes out CRM up to 244 or 245, I think. Interesting move, gets us back to some highs we saw recently. And EY from SoFi, who will be joining us, as is her want to do every Thursday, she's looking at a lot of things, not least of which treasury auctions. And of course, if it's Thursday, it ain't margarine. It's butters. Bitch, in the words of Britney Spears. By the way, she wrote a song about that. Yeah.
1: Um, she did. You love the rundown. It,
0: you know, it's funny. Yeah. And we, and w- I want to talk about the market. Yeah. But I was in the car to drive my daughter and one of her friends to a bar uh, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. What is she, 15? No, they wanted, they oh, didn't want it. they wanted to, to drive there. Yeah, so yeah, they didn't yeah. have to drive. Got it. And, uh, they said, you like Britney Spears? I said, yeah, put on that It's Britney Bitch song. And there
1: actually is a song where yes. she starts it. Anyway, you're all over it. Um, You know, it's interesting. It you brought up the sales force here. So gapping up to new 52-week highs is trading at levels it has not done since early 2022. And mm-hmm. you think about what was going on in early 2022, a, a lot of these kind of higher valuation tech stocks that had really gotten going, um, you know, in the, in the latter part of 2021, they started correcting in a big way. Well, you know, Guy, for... Just look at that. I mean, it's a beautiful breakout. Let, let's be yeah. frank. It's so, well, on huge volume through the July highs. All that sort of stuff. So, yeah. like, we can call it what it is. Okay. Yeah. And we said it 24 hours ago. 100%. We said the stock has rallied 20% off of a four or five month low in a month coming into a, a print. Like, you know, you, you do you. I mean, that's not my game. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what we breakout, said. But, we talked about it. We said there's a very good chance you're going to come. We're going to have the
0: show tomorrow and to yeah. say, They printed a number. The stock's trading 240 on a gap higher. You said that. And here we are. And it's a big volume day. We'll see if this gap holds up. I mean, we've seen moves like this before in other stocks of this. Not obviously we've seen this is a quarter of a trillion dollar company. We've seen it on some smaller. Obviously, we saw with NVIDIA. But it's going to be interesting to see on this volume day on what was a good quarter.
1: I don't think it was a remarkable quarter. Uh, we'll see if it holds well, up. Well, I guess what I would say is, and there was a bunch of these names that we highlighted yesterday in the tech space that gapped to new 52-week highs after their earnings. And I would say, listen, you know, after the month that we just had, after the outperformance of stock like this had relative to the S&P and relative to the NASDAQ, you'd almost like to see it come in, consolidate a little bit here, you know, at those prior highs and, and set the stage for a new range being established. So, but I want to go back to what you mentioned with yield. So we got some hot, you can hot data. Okay. PMI purchasing manager uh, index. index. Okay. And what happened? Yields were trading at 422 this morning. Now they're trading at 432. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting if you just look at apple microsoft amazon google nvidia tesla meta what do they call those The seven stocks there?
0: they call them seven stocks, them seven stocks yeah right? i'm not gonna say it no, so you, if you want not. to but they, know, all, have that. they
1: all reverse lower yeah they did okay so like to me that's pretty interesting right so you're seeing you know but you're seeing an s&p guy that's basically flat ish right you have a nasdaq that's down nearly 70 bips which makes some sense in a way um You know, taking some froth out of those names makes some sense. Maybe they can throw up this NVIDIA chart. This would be the one, again, I think you and I would both agree, is probably from a sentiment standpoint, it used to be Tesla. I think Tesla's broken, in my opinion. Like, I think the story is broken, but I think the chart is also broken. You know, NVIDIA was just banging up against those prior all-time highs Mm -hmm. from a few months ago. Just couldn't really get through, and now it's coming in a little bit. This really might be a situation, Guy, though, where a lot of folks are starting to price in competition. They're starting to price in maybe a lot of, like, some potential headwinds as it relates to kind of AI in general. A lot of their customers are trying to design their own chips. This one seems like it could easily pull back 50, 60 bucks on its way back to four. So
0: let's, before we, you know, get into, by the way, when you were in grade school, Yeah. They used to give you a, assi- I mean, I don't know if they even give these assignments anymore because I'm not sure if people read anymore. Yeah. But you'd have to get, you'd have to read a book. Then what would you have to do?
1: A little summary, like a book
0: report. Precisely. Oh, yeah. And we're going to get to that in a second. Oh, but yeah. Let's put I up this NVIDIA chart here yeah. real quick because that gap was made, I think, in April or May of this May. year. So, uh, yeah, May. Here we are. Gap has still not been filled. Now you have maybe potentially this short-term double top in the chart. Obviously, last quarter you saw the spike up. This quarter you saw the run up into that same level. Seemingly, again, I'm saying seemingly because until we get down through maybe 445, 450, I don't think you can say that. But I got to tell you something, man. That is a scary-looking situation right now. So in order for this... I think to get back on its horse and continue, something amazing is going to have to happen. And I got to say, with all that we've heard, you got to believe all of the good news is not only
1: priced in, but probably priced in times two. Yeah, And you know, it's interesting. I I know a lot of our viewers probably spent you know, the day as, as we did on and off watching Andrew Ross Sorkin at DealBook, he had a tremendous list of people that he had um, up here in New York at his conference, interviewing them all day, obviously capped off by that Elon Musk um, interview that I think went for nearly an hour and a half. Mm. It was insane. We were usurped. You were, Fast Money was usurped. Um, but Jensen Wang, the CEO of this company, I mean, when you listen to a CEO like that, um it, it's really impressed I mean yeah, he's, he's very he's, excited he's, a, he's a, but he's just an impressive yeah. guy, you know what I mean like so again, it's just kind of an inter- interesting juxtaposition oh, between so, Elon I agree and, Jeff. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, and yes, okay, f- fair enough, but he's a genius, I think yeah. uh, again, it doesn't matter what you think, but my point is we've acknowledged a hundred times that Nvidia is amazing yeah. it's an amazing company with an amazing CEO. There's no denying that yeah. our concern yeah. has been. Unfounded, founded, unfounded, the valuation that the market is tacking on. And regardless of what people think, you know, they believe that there's a secular growth story. These still, until proven otherwise, are highly cyclical companies that potentially could be highly cyclical commoditized companies. Anyway, let's yeah. move on. All
1: right, just two quick names I just wanted to hit um, after the sales force. Look at Snowflake reported better than expected. Also back near its 52 week highs did not break out, but it's come a long way. This was mm-hmm. a stock that was massively underperforming many of its SaaS uh, you know, peers in general in the, in the software space. And it's played a little bit of catch up, as you can see quite quickly. And then the last one, Snap, and Pinterest upgraded at Jeffries. And I'm just highlighting this a little bit because this stock obviously was left for dead um, you know, just a couple months ago, very near multi-year lows. Look at this on a five-year basis. You see that gap. It's probably 20 um, on its way down back in early 2022. So kind of interesting there. And, you know, Guy, I almost wonder when you see Elon Musk, who's the CEO of Twitter, right? These companies both last year when he took it over had a similar sort of revenue, mm-hmm. uh, annual revenue, predominantly advertising about 5 billion each or so. And when you see the CEO of Twitter basically say our company could go bankrupt because of ad boycotts, and then he tells them all to F you, Mm -hmm. you know, you say to yourself, well, who would likely be the beneficiary of spend leaving Twitter? It might be Snap. People are already spending on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. You know what I mean? That that sort of thing. So, you know, interestingly enough, I I think Snap is one to keep an eye on.
0: No doubt. And it's not coincidental, I don't think, Facebook's over the facebook been a monster, clearly. But if you put up a Facebook chart real quick, over the last week and a half, two weeks, it's starting to give it up a little bit as well. And maybe that's just some function of the other stocks that you mentioned. Yep. But that stock probably doesn't do it just this. But if you look, I will tell you, I mean, this was a $245 stock. I want to say, excuse me, $243 a week or so ago, now trading $232, which is not a big deal. I get it. But you haven't seen, you know, it's starting to roll. I guess yeah. is my point. Put, something you should watch. Put,
1: put put a five year up of this really quickly because I think if Carter were here, he might say like how symmetrical this mm-hmm. is, right? It got back to that gap from twenty twenty one. I mean, that stock was down seventy eight percent or something from its all time highs, you know, made in late twenty twenty one. So again, all pretty interesting stuff, guy. Before we get to Liz, um, let's talk yields for a second. Oh, she's
0: got a great sweater on today. Yeah. Um, she looks like she's going like skiing or something. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, well, it's apres ski. Like, she well, I mean, like, in order to apres ski, sh- no one would have had You to.
1: know what? There's plenty of snow buddies out there who just show up apres ski, ready to just kind of hang that's out a, a total.
0: That's a total Johnson. What movie. do you mean? What do you mean? What's well, called after ski, apres ski. Right. So if you're, you, it stands to reason that you should have skied yeah. in order to go
1: no, you yeah. disagree. Oh, listen, some people I just enjoyed the don't. after party a little bit. Um, let's, look at, let's look at the 10-year yield.
0: I feel you have to suffer
1: first yeah. yeah, in order to be able to do something like that. Yeah. Sorry. Fair enough. Um, 10-year yields, uh, two-year chart. Carter went through them last night for mm-hmm. us or yesterday um, kind of interesting. I mean, again, he thinks they break for uh, the pretty good support there for 200 day moving average is basically at 4%. You see that uptrend that's been in place for the last two years um, or so. And I just wonder guy, if you just have a check back to that uptrend. Mm-hmm. Okay. A lot of folks got off sides at 5%. No right? doubt. You know what I mean? And, and here we are quick move lower, but it is interesting to know that we're basically trading where we were in September right so we talk about yeah. that kind of move to 5% and the S&P which is now obviously at 45 45- 40 or something like that It's probably 300 points higher than it was when it was when yeah. it was five percent it was what 4100 yeah. or something like that so talk to me a little bit about how if we were to see more hot or hot data like we saw in the yeah. pmi start to build let's say into the new year you know a lot of this fed speak that we had we had some people really dovish some out this morning you know saying you know higher for longer the yeah. likelihood of rate cuts next year not particularly good if, if people get off sides on that guy might we see that reflected in the S&P 500 just as, if we see yields Just as up?
0: easily as people got offsides when yields got up. And again, yields to move higher, um, I think, surprised a lot of yep. people. I think the entire market at some point got itself short of the bond market, long of the dollar, um, long energy trades, that whole thing unwound. I think the unwind is seemingly over. Now, what's interesting to me, at least, on one side you have Bill Ackman who is now calling for and I don't know what, you know, he's not only calling for rate cuts, he's also calling for Biden not to run next. Like, who put him in a position where he is now. He did. Start- he did.
1: Yeah, well. He was the guy who, on the on the lows in March 2020, came on the network and crying. cried. Yeah. He cried. was also,
0: you know, I, I'm not proud of this, yeah. but he was also probably a guy we used to beat the shit
1: out of in high school a little bit. Well, you know, who used saying. to say that. You remember Remember the fabulous, the, the icon Ackman thing? Okay. You remember that? Oh, yeah. Did well, on Carl Scott's say show. the same thing? Carl said, this guy. He's like the kid that we used to, you know, yeah. take, our, take the lunch money Probably, from. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, it's like, just a, anyway, but, I, but that's I,
0: whatever, I, neither I, here nor there. But he's calling for rate cuts earlier yeah. in the year than most people. Because that's what he wants. I think so. Yeah. The flip side of that coin is, and again, you know, everybody might be talking their book here, but the most powerful banker in the world continues to be Jamie Dimon, who continues to double, triple, quadruple down on this notion that inflation isn't slayed, rates are going higher, be careful, blah, blah, blah. As as I think as recently as this week, he's reiterated all those things. So you look at the chart, we're still in an uptrend in yields. Yields are still lower left, upper right. We've touched the lower band. I didn't think we'd get down here without question. You know, I would say a couple of weeks ago, I thought the TLT could trade up to 89 and a half. It did. We blew through that. I think there's a scenario now where, you know, you see PMI, Liz is going to talk about treasury auctions. You can start to yeah. yield, see yields go back up.
1: Let me make um, one last point here, too, um, about Jamie Dimon and that call. You know, yields going up is not good for the money center bank, no. right? Like So, like, that's one of the well, things.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, yes and no. Well, but yeah, yeah. But, but, but think about
1: it. Like, like pull up the XL app. No, no, you're you know right. I mean? You're hundred percent uh, uh, right. You know, so yeah. he's, he's basically, you know, he's not talking his book. Like our main man, you know, Bill Ackman is talking his book. Right? I
0: agree but, with you. You know, it's interesting and I don't want to get bogged down in on this, but right what I think is interesting about that is he's not talking his book, although his com- competition would be much worse for wear if yields went higher. I yeah. think they're better positioned. So Yeah, but I don't think some he ways, wants to see. I, I, I agree with you. I'm just saying. Yeah. But if you look at the XLF, which we mentioned um, yesterday here, I believe, you know, we're right back at those levels that we stalled yeah. at a few months ago. So it's be interesting to see if, and the XLF is a shitty ETF. Carter mentioned it as well. But just to look at it, you take a look at where we are in
1: comparison to where we were a few months ago. Anyway, back to you. Yeah, no, I all very interesting. All right. Let's let's bring her in. Uh, this would be EY from SoFi. With the sweater. That'd be that'd be Liz Young. Uh Liz. How are Yo. you, sorry about subjecting you to that um in the debate good, of whether actually. you know you're Johnson if you just show up for the opera. Well, no,
0: she has a view. I care. No, hold on. Don't say a word, Elizabeth. Okay. I know you well enough to know that you're in my camp on this one. You can't just show up to like The, the opera ski having not skied. Yes or no?
2: Agree. Agree. Yeah. Yeah. That being said, you you don't say no to a party. But if you want to have a cocktail, then have it at home or go to a, you don't go to like the after ski thing. That's like, do you go, do you go to the wedding reception? If you yeah. weren't invited, no, I'm to just the gonna say
1: one thing. thing. So a lot of folks they go on a ski trip. Maybe they go four or five days. Maybe they go a week. They don't ski every day, right? And so if some of your bros like, "Hey, meet us at the such and such lodge, you, you know, at 4:50 or something like that," well, we're gonna have a few cocktails. And you roll up. You're wearing a sweater like that, and you say, "What's up, peeps?" You know what I mean? Like that's what. Okay, so let's and uh, we're let's getting fucked. I no, no, let's, let's play, this, play out. this out. Yeah.
0: If you sh- if you did not ski that day, yeah. Let's just say your br- what do you call them bros? Yeah. If you and your bros, if you weren't one of the bros that went, but if you show up in like your ski outfit with your boots on, no, not having bad. not skied, you're an asshole. No, my point is you, no, 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 you no. show up No, no, like no, 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 There right are now. people that, Elizabeth, tell me I'm wrong.
2: You're you know right. the guys that show right. up with boots. Right, up in with ski, the
0: boots, and but you're not skiing. But this pants. is also
2: this is like the same as you don't like it when when people wear jerseys to games because they're oh. not gonna they're not gonna go out on the ice unless
1: you're an eight year old. <laughs> now know. we're off the rails. All right, talk to us a little bit. Um, all fair though on, on on the yield front. Do you think it's interesting that hedge fund titan, you know, Bill Ackman thinks that we're gonna get you know rates cuts. Sooner than later, he also said in that comment though that if we don't get him, that, that we could be in, in in store for a hard landing. Jamie Dimon, on the flip side, feels like be prepared for higher rates because mm-hmm. without higher rates, we could also be in a world of hurt. So help us help us with this little this little back and forth.
2: How many weeks ago was it that Ackman came out and said he was removing his short?
0: That was, um, I'll tell you exactly what I mean. I should know this is what was the low of the, the high. No, I'll tell you, yeah. hold on a second. Give me two seconds, Elizabeth. You can mm-hmm. continue to chat. So, I mean, first we of this. all,
2: it—we you could you could slice and dice that a couple ways. The first of which being, okay, his view is consistent. He thought rates were going to come down. He thought yields were going to continue coming down. There would be a rally. That's why he took a short off. Um, but he moved the market pretty big that day mm-hmm. that he said, removing his shorts. So, October
0: 19th or 20th by the way, but yes, continue.
2: Yeah, so it, look, here's the thing. If fear pervades the market, obviously yields will continue to come down, but there are are some for- between now and the next let's call it 2 months, 2 or 3 months that are pushing yields up and and although we've made so much progress on inflation and that PCE print was really good today in the sense of good towards target, We're not quite there yet. And the Fed, although sending some dovish signals, has not entirely given up. So there are things out there that could make inflation surprise to the upside, which I think would spook a lot of people. Now, Jamie Dimon's case, mad respect for Jamie Dimon. Uh, Major respect, mostly because when he does come out and say things and he pounds the table about them, it's very clear that he's not talking his own book right he comes out and he's he is by far the most powerful ceo of a big financial in this country probably the world and he moves markets with his mouth but he doesn't do it to benefit his own stock necessarily so mad respect for him however i don't think because i'm still more cautious because i still think that the odds are that this ends in more pain I don't see treasury yields getting as high as he's suggested. I think he has said 6 or 7% at mm-hmm. some point. I don't see that happening. But in the near term, I do think that there's upward pressure. And that's why I wrote about auctions this week, because that's one of the things that could do it.
0: Let's look, a look at that. Going once, going twice. Because I've been at these things where, you know, you have some Johnson auctioneer up there and you're trying to get money out of people. And you're looking around, going once. You're hoping somebody raises their paddle. No, going twice. No, you're sure. Sold to EY from SoFi, and that's effectively what's going on here. I mean, talk Mm -hmm. about these treasury auctions. We've had some good ones, but the good ones have been in the shorter duration. The longer-term ones that
2: I've seen have been challenged in a word. That's right. Although there was a 7-year auction yesterday that was weak, it didn't move the market necessarily, but it was weak. The 30-year auction was crap a few mm-hmm. weeks ago, and that was the one that really got people concerned. So, here's the thing. We have not talked about treasury auctions as investors. If you're if you're a, a daily investor and you're somebody that's not in the industry, you probably didn't even know that these necessarily existed and that they happened as often as they do, suddenly we're talking about them all the time. We're talking about them for a number of different reasons. And the reason I wrote this blog about this is because it continues to be a hot topic. And I don't think a lot of investors really understand why they should care. So these auctions, number one, to cover our own obligations, because we run a budget deficit, we have to issue more debt to pay our bills. That deficit continues to grow Mm. as rates have risen, our expense, our interest expense also continues to grow, which just compounds the problem. So what's happening lately is that, and look, nothing bad has, has happened yet, nothing catastrophic. But there are little inklings here and there. So there are different measures of an auction. I'm not going to get too far into the weeds, but there are different measures of an auction, things like the bid to cover ratio, things like Mm -hmm. how much primary dealers have to sop up because nobody else wanted it. So there's a section in the blog called hot potato bonds because it's sort of like, I don't want it, you take it. Mm -hmm. And there is that backup plan, but that backup plan has had to come in and save the day more often than it has before. So the big takeaway here, there's two big takeaways, I would say. The first of which is that auctions had not really been a topic of conversation before because there were three really big buyers. So every time we had an auction, these three big buyers sopped up the supply. Those buyers were China, Japan, and the Federal Reserve. All three of them have stopped buying as much. The Fed has actually turned into a net seller. So if you want to pull up Mm -hmm. the first chart from this blog... The Fed is selling because we know they're going through a quantitative tightening program and they're trying to reduce the size of their balance sheet. It's also another tool that they're using to fight inflation. So they turned into a net seller last summer and have continued to be a net seller that whole time. So as we continue to issue bonds, they're gone from the picture. And then you've got these stories about the Chinese currency, the Japanese currency. And remember that currency is a relative game. So if you've got your currency weakening, you want to support it. One way to support it is push down the currency that it's uh, compared to. So push down the dollar, your currency looks stronger, which means you get rid of some treasury bonds. Mm. So Japan and China have also stopped sopping up this supply. I think the chart after that should be the issuance. Yeah, the issuance that we've seen. This is the other big takeaway. So those three buyers have exited the scene, right? They're still there-ish, but not there as much as they used to be. But they exited the scene. See both of these lines turning up in 2023 just as we started to issue more bonds. So supply went up, demand went down, and there's not enough buyers in the market to stop it up. Now, we know that the mechanics of bonds work such that less demand means higher yields. This is happening though at a time where stocks are moving because yields are going down. Everybody's excited because yields are going down. This is one of the things that could come in and be a curveball.
0: Mm-hmm. And not to not to add to the wonkiness of Treasury bonds and auctions, but I'll say this: Last night, Japan had a two-year auction, and it was the lowest bid-to-cover rate in 1414 years, which is, in a word, alarming. And again, it speaks to who's the end buyer of all this stuff. And you know, this bid-to-cover stuff. You know, you can go to your Google machine and look it up. It basically means you know. Over you're oversubscribed. Like who is that mm-hmm. person that everybody goes to see? She's dating the football player. Uh, Taylor Swift. That's her name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So she mm-hmm. puts tickets on sale. And like for every person that gets a ticket, there are probably 10 people that want one. Yeah. Right? So that's oversubscribed. Yep. That's a good so, thing. Let
2: me show let me show one more chart Oh, Throw it up
0: because it's gonna one be more. like a Swift thing. Uh, it's Swifty the last thing.
2: one. The last one. Now, this is parabolic, but this is kind of ties a bow around the whole thing. So, what's really the problem? The problem is rates have risen. We issue bonds. We still have to pay for those bonds via coupons. Mm -hmm. Those coupons are higher. Our deficit grows in order to cover our spending. And we know we've been threatened twice this year already with a government shutdown. In order to cover our spending, we got to issue more debt. So the Congressional Budget Office, now again, this is parabolic and this is out decades in the future. But that line, that dotted line at the end shows net interest expense projected as a percent of GDP. That's not a good number. We do not want it to go up like that, but at this rate, that's what it's going to look like.
0: At this rate, there's no choice. There's no chance that it's not going to look like that. And you know, historically we talk about net interest expenses, percentage of GDP somewhere between two and a half and 3% ish, if not lower. And now we're talking about not only probably double that, but potentially triple that as again, we continue to sort of we we debt our way we spend yep. our way to seemingly but, profitability it doesn't but, work it, it works when interest rates are zero maybe but not when rates
1: are going higher well it does make the case though why interest rates can't go meaningfully higher if if this is like you know well, no i disagree but well, I, I know but what david you're rosenberg had a note out you know rosie uh, rosenberg research this morning he's talking about gdi versus gdp so gross domestic mm-hmm. income and the spread between the two especially after the print that we saw i, I mean listen you know uh vinnie you know uh you know daniel's a comes on the pod. Actually, it was a great pod with with Porter Collins and Danny um, that dropped um, on Monday. You guys should check that out. But they were talking exactly about this sort of issue here and the federal deficit. And a lot of folks, so listen, I was at a dinner. I think I said it on market call. Um, I think it was in September or October with Byron Wien, who sadly just passed what about a month or two ago. Mm-hmm. And one of the last things I heard him say was at a dinner, a bunch of investors and and the like. Here, he talked about one of his biggest worries is is the growth in the federal deficit here and and what ultimately is going to have to be done. So I think that's kind of interesting of a guy who's you know been a legend on the street for what sixty years or something like that. So that was his take. Um, Liz let's talk a little bit mm. about um, a lot of Wall Street strategists you're you're a um, you're a what do you call her she she's a I don't know, Silicon Valley. Fintech strategy. I think Is that she, fair? she wears Is many fair? hats. She wears them all well. No, but you don't I'm have impressive. to do the thing. You did. You did this for a time, but you don't have to do yeah. the thing where you do the um, the price target and all that sort of stuff and the earnings estimates and everything like that. And I think that's obviously um, it's fun for us to be able to just to kind of talk and you not being constrained to those sorts of things. But they're all coming out for 2024 right now, right? And mm-hmm. you see a lot of these folks turning themselves into pretzels, kind of trying to justify how they get to the. It's a hard exercise. We all know that. Thoughts here as we go into the last month of the year, as far as equities, you know, we have the S&P up 18 and change percent. We have the NASDAQ 100 up 44%. We have the uh, the NASDAQ, uh, you know, comp up 35%. Your Russell 2000 is up only 3%. The equal weight S&P is up 4.5%. Thoughts on, forget about next month, I mean, December. I mean, how, how are you thinking investor sentiment is or appetite for risk heading into the new year? Let's just say we close here in a month from now.
2: Yeah, well, in in defense of strategists, one of the things about those big firms is is that they force the strategists to put out their outlook like mid-November. It's got to be in and it drops towards the ends of November. So they got to put out an annual outlook pretty early before the year is done. uh, and, And that gets tricky. But Yes, they are all twisting themselves into pretzels, self-included. I'm writing mine right now. And it it's tough because, frankly, many of us came into 2023 thinking, well, it's got something bad has got to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. And something bad did happen in March, but it was rescued. So it didn't end up being the way that we thought it would all turn out. So going into 2024... The struggle is you don't want to sound like a broken record and just say the same thing again. Something bad still must have to happen. You also don't want to sound like you're claiming that you were just early, not wrong. Because if you were early for an entire year, frankly, you were wrong, especially in strategist land. And that would be, I'm guilty as charged of that. So looking into 2024 how's risk appetite? Uh, I think risk appetite is probably going to be okay through the end of the year, barring any big surprises. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. There's always possible big surprises out there. We could be in the most boring market environment, the most boring economic environment, and there's always a risk of some exogenous shock. So the big thing that has changed for me is that through most of 2023, I expected there to be some big exogenous shock, not necessarily in the form of war i certainly did not see that coming but in the form of some kind of corporate announcement some kind of credit event that we didn't see coming at all Mm -hmm. you could argue that the regional bank crisis was just that i expected there to be a shock that would actually send us in the other direction and that would be the catalyst that started a recession a prolonged drawdown etc etc that didn't occur uh i think actually the difference now for me is that in 2024 again I'm not overly optimistic that we're going to completely avoid recession, but I do think that the possibility that we just sort of grind lower is higher, if that makes sense. So think about just like a slow deterioration in economic data, or we finally find ourselves in a position where, okay, we weren't worried about unemployment when it was 4.1%, but we don't really like it at 4.3. We Mm -hmm. really don't like it at 4.6. And it's just this kind of slow deterioration that eventually does scare investors. But to the end of this year, beginning of next year, I think risk appetite is probably still alive.
1: Yeah, it feels like it's going to be a tough year. We've talked about it a lot. This kind of twenty twenty two to twenty twenty three, almost a mirror opposite. If you think about it in terms of yields and and what the you know stocks did, and and so here we are. I, I think this is one of the things, and this is going to get us to John Butters um, a little bit. It's like this kind of spread between where the bulls or consensus p earnings estimates are for 2024 right and where some folks have come out yesterday we highlighted what the guys uh, and gals over at JP Morgan and their strategy group they're expecting an s p at 4200 at the end of the year Liz with two to three percent mm. earnings growth versus consensus that's maybe 10 11 percent and so you know the grind that you're talking about lower you know what I mean might come in the form of death by a thousand cuts guy mm-hmm. to s p 500 earnings estimates just little by little and I think that's what Lizanne Saunders said to us too on Friday's pod a little bit. is like that's what's changed this time. A lot of these folks haven't come out and just slashed their 2024 s p earnings they're doing it like month to month or quarter to quarter.
0: Elizabeth gets well, into the weeds the, on I'm, this stuff real quick and and I want yeah. you to hear but you talk about all the things that you see suggest that the employment picture is starting to deteriorate. And I agree Mm -hmm. with that. And I think in my opinion, what will surprise people next year is the speed with which the unemployment rate gets up to somewhere between (laughs) four and a half and 5%. I do not think the market is prepared for that. Anyway, let's go ahead.
2: Yeah, I mean it it starts to pick up velocity. It's it's escape velocity. It gets above 4% and then it starts to pick up. So, one of the things that I think is also important to remember is the bull case. And and I try I sit down and I try to make the bull case. If the bull case is that the Fed is going to normalize rates in 2024 just because they want to and they they're able to, you can't just stop there. You don't get to cherry pick the things that normalize. If they're going to normalize rates, everything else normalizes too. So, going into 2024, expecting 12% earnings growth, that's not normal. Normal earnings growth since, I think since 1940 is about eight and a half percent, right? So you got to normalize that. You got to normalize treasury yields. You got to mm. normalize the PE ratio. You got, There's a lot of things that would have to come back down to earth. Now, inflation included, Actually, normal inflation is higher than the 2% target. So maybe that normalizes as well. But I think there's there's a little inconsistency in those arguments, the bull argument of that, okay, we're just going to normalize rates, but we expect to hold everything else constant and strong. And that's just not how it works. And to wrap this all up, the unemployment rate, the normal unemployment rate, even if you remove recessions is Mm
1: 5.6%. Yeah. All right, let's do it. John Butters, he is the Senior Earnings Insight Analyst over there at FactSet. We get a preview of his blog that drops every Friday morning. We talk about it on the market call. And this one, again, I think this was a good little segue into what we were discussing here. Uh, Butters is talking about the bottoms-up EPS estimate for the S&P 500 for calendar year 2024 is $246.21, which would mark a new record-high EPS for the index. However, over the past 25 mm-hmm. years, analysts have overstated the actual EPS number by nearly 7% on average one year in advance, guys. So do you want to speak to that a Let's stop at bit. that point. Yeah, I it. mean,
0: that speaks to Danny Moses talks about this, Carter Worth talked. Optimism in the industry, you don't get paid for being negative, and there's always this optimism going into the next, always going to be better next year until it's not, and then they have to ratchet things down. I am telling you the expectations and I've seen it as high as thirteen or fourteen percent EPS growth for next year. that's a friggin pipe dream in this environment, especially if the unemployment rate starts to tick higher, which you know oddly enough will help margins, but there's going to be a demand aspect that counter Acts that entire thing. So there's, in my opinion, people are way off sides in terms of earnings, but it makes sense historically because, again, their peoples want to be optimistic.
2: Liz. There's always There's always going to be a bias in analysts. I mean, I, I never covered individual companies, but I covered managers. And of the managers that I covered, you have this sort of innate sense of you want them to win. You want them to do well, right? I want to write a report that says they outperformed and that they did what they expected to do. You don't want to write the report that says this isn't working. You certainly don't want to have to fire the manager. So I think analysts generally are going to skew more optimistic, and we should always adjust it in our heads to that however i think 2024 they're skewing much more optimistic than what might actually be the case if if only it's due to inflation coming down and i continue to make this point i don't want to belabor it but as inflation comes down prices have to come down in some way, shape, or form, or costs really need to get cut because they're not keeping up with that revenue line. And companies are suffering from lower revenue. We're seeing it just because of what's happening, even in the holiday shopping season, worried about inventory building up, worried about lighter demand. The guidance has been shortened, right? People aren't coming out and saying that this is what we expect through all of twenty twenty four. They're only confident saying maybe what's happening in the next month or two. So I think that companies are feeling the pressure and they're trying to be prepared. That might be their saving grace, that they are prepared for lighter demand. That would be a good thing, but they still have to cut costs to meet these earnings estimates.
1: Yeah. And you know, your point about kind of discounting it in your own head can be really hard as an investor or as a trader because that's what I feel like I've been doing all year long. I've been discounting what I thought were kind of the rosy estimates. Um, you know, and, and they're going to Beep proved to be too rosy for 2023 and they're going to prove to be too rosy for 2024 but again it's been hard to kind of fight that in the market so and I'll just make this last point from Butter's note analysts overestimated the actual number in 17 years this is out of the 25 and they underestimated the actual number um, in the other 8 years factoring in this average 6.9% overestimation the index would report EPS of 229 for calendar year Mm -hmm. 2024 guy which would still be a new record high but with an S&P at 45 Five forty, okay. Can we do a little math here? Two twenty nine. You still, you don't have a cheap S and P five hundred,
0: correct? And that's assuming again, that's two twenty nine. Assuming we get there, I think it's going to be light of that. And again, what what multiple do you attach to that in this environment if things are, in fact, slowing down?
1: Would you put a twenty multiple? On no, that guy?
0: I don't see, see. It's interesting. The bulls will say you attach a higher multiple because in that environment, the U.S. is going to be sort of the safe haven asset class and it should deserve a higher multiple. I would push back and say you shouldn't be paying up for stocks in the environment that I think we're going to find ourselves in I think it should be closer to 16 16 and a half which is not unreasonable. We've seen and I'm not saying we're getting there but yeah. In the peak of the financial crisis, I think valuations had like had an eleven handle. Yeah. Well, I so.
1: guess I guess the last point on this, and and we were we've talked about this at numerous times um, over the last year or so. In October of 2022, when the S and P was at its lows, down you know nearly you know, 27 or so percent or something like that. You know, the 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 top 10 names, okay, were trading above a market multiple, mm-hmm. well above, while the bottom, you know. 350 or whatever the heck it was, you know what I mean? We're trading it like the low teens. So they were trading at trough multiples. And so again, I guess it will take this leadership to have, you know, a handful of, of you know, uh, of kind of multiple points taken off of them to get something, you know, that looks like a 16 or 17. All right, Liz Young, EY from SoFi. We really appreciate you joining us going through awesome. your note. And she agreed with me on, the op- I mean, I knew she would. But see, I, I listen, I feel like if we were like, at, you know, like Sugarbush or something like that. Excuse me? Yes, okay. And I called her up and she just got into town, okay? Let's just say you just got into town. And I said, hey, we're all meeting at five o'clock at the whatever lodge. You're you're rolling over there.
2: Maybe. Maybe, but, I, toddy, but like in you know jeans, I mean? in jeans and whatever I was wearing, not, was not saying, in ski
1: gear. That's all I was saying. You don't ski Maybe. in that sweater. You'd show up to the Opry ski in that sweater. No, I, not, I'd, I'd come I for
2: like a drink. And, and what would the drink be at Opry ski? Mine would be mulled wine. Just here's, a exam, here's
1: a good example. Here's a
0: good example. And I know we're belaboring the point. A little bit. So Max Scherzer, pitches for the Texas Rangers. Yes, he does. The he world start, champion Texas Rangers. He started the year... With the Mets, I, why he made that decision, I'll, I'll never know. Like why anybody would want to play in that shithole is beyond me. However, he found his way onto the Texas Rangers and he got hurt when he was there. He celebrated their world championship as if he's been there his entire career. Yeah. That is a Johnson move. That is similar <laughs> to showing up, Ski having that. No, it's the same. See thing. what you did there. All right. Just saying that
2: thing. was awesome. All right. Somebody Do tell I, Aaron Rodgers that if the Jets win the Super Bowl, he's not allowed to celebrate. Yeah, not happening. Yeah, if that, the it, Jets it, win it, the what? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not happening. The odds yeah. are not in their favor. Not, not in not <laughs> in their favor. All right, Liz. Thanks so much for joining us. We will see you back on the tape on Monday with Guy and myself. Have a great weekend. Thanks so much, Liz. All right, guy. Let's diggy Y let, from He's so the best. Um let's let's hit a couple things. Um we did uh, a trade idea on Tuesday mm-hmm. in the crude oil, and, and it was interesting. <clears throat> at the time, crude was trading very near where it is right now—seventy-six, yeah. seventy, I think it was, or something like that. It's Unchanged. And it had a couple of days. Maybe they can pull this up really quickly here. Um, so that was the. That, that's just today's that's today. price action, okay? And a little surprising, okay? But let's look at look at that thing. I mean, it looked like it was ready to party this morning. Yeah. It was above its 200 day moving average, right? Mm-hmm. It kind of held that uptrend. You know what I mean? Over the last couple of trading days got above that downtrend. One of the reasons I think you and I were both in agreement. If you were buying this at 7640, we wanted to use a really tight stop down there at that uptrend about 75 bucks. But you still st- in place. You, right, but yeah. you still agree with that, yeah. right? So let's see how it kind of acts in and around here. We just kind of wanted to update that a little bit because there was news out of OPEC. And the other one yesterday, we talked about the spy. We talked about a put spread in january we're isolating this kind of 450 to 420 range let's just pull up the spy the one-year chart again it's down a couple bucks i mean when you think about that half a percent guy i mean like you know it's not moving but I just want to point out again the steepness of the rally mm-hmm. that we've had over the last month. You got this thing starting to roll a little bit. You see that gap down there? I you do. We're see a to few go. of them. Yeah. So we just wanted to update that. We're going to start updating these a lot more frequently because on days that we are detailing trade ideas in um, futures, on days that we're detailing them in options, we just want to make sure we know a lot of folks who are, you know, kind of following along. Um, you know, really for us, this is purely educational how we think about using stops, how we manage risk risk, both to the downside and to the upside. So we are going to be doing that. Also make sure that you are signed up for our emails because we're going to put the kind of details in the show. Notes. Why wouldn't like, you be?
0: Why wouldn't you be? And we used to say smash the like button. Yeah. But leave
1: reviews. Yeah. That's your favorite Do pod. Do all of it. Do all that yeah. stuff. And the last thing, um, we also yesterday, right after the show was done on our Instagram accounts, we put out a little clip of that SPY options yeah, we did. trade did. I, I re-Instagrammed it. You regrammed it. Graham. Or so, no, I so, put it on my story. So follow guy at guy.adami. Follow me at Dan S. Nathan. Follow Riskursal Media on the Instagram, okay? And we're going to be putting more videos out over there. But, yeah, this was fun. It was fun. It's funny.
0: What are you looking this at? This yeah. well, well I follow. No, 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 I'm not preoccupied. I follow something called the Van Halen Zone. Yeah. There are some talented people out there yeah. in terms of
1: axe players. Yeah.
0: I mean, ridiculous. Like like who
1: are doing their best Eddie Van Halen
0: sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. like if I close my eyes, it's like Eddie Van Halen. Yeah. Who obviously passed away, the yeah. untimely death. And before we get out of here, apparently Sammy Hagar has announced a tour hmm. with Michael Anthony. You know say Michael Anthony.
1: Say it again. You're going to say the, wor- the word. You, you, you what do you call Van it? Hagar? No, no, I'm not going to say no, that. No, no. You're going to say Johnson.
0: Uh, yeah, Johnson. I, I might say Johnson. that. Although he sold a tequila company for like, Half a billion dollars.
1: Yeah. Good for
0: him. Anyway, um, Cabo Wabo or something like that. Sounds horrible. Anyway, my point is he's touring with Michael Anthony. I think um, Jason Bonham is playing drums on that tour, which is pretty cool. And Joe Satriani is playing. Now, I will tell you for those that know, he is an elite guitar player. Yeah. But, but no, no, no. I'm just telling. he
1: was he did all those solos and right? leads guitar, the guy
0: can play. Yeah, so what, that all of a sudden is an interesting band. He has invited uh, David Lee Roth. He said, absolutely, we'd love to have you. And uh, and obviously Alex Van Halen, the brother of Eddie Van Halen, and maybe Wolfgang really? as well. Really? Wolfgang. So wait,
1: so so what you're saying is there's talk of a reunion with, well, I'm with, just with saying, both. Sammy what Sammy Eddie. said was
0: he realizes the passage of time as he gets older. We all are. Yeah better than the alternative like there's not a lot of days left
1: yeah but why why, so you know what let's put
0: bygones be bygones plant
1: really never did how many times have they played i saw
0: page and plant i want to say 1996 i don't know if that's correct i think that's ish right and obviously that was about it and then you know they played one they played in uh london yeah with i think jason bonham played (laughs) yeah
1: but it's weird right you would have thought well the word weird is
0: weird no, I admire well, I, them. Why again? Is it an I and e I sort admire of them. Just like we talked about the doors. Yeah. When Jim Morrison, his untimely passing at age 27, Krieger and Densmore and Manzarek didn't say, let's find another lead singer and go no.
1: do this. No, they said, that's it. It's over. Well, I think the lead singer is kind of like, you can't go on without
0: no, them. I mean, you see, know, like,
1: Journey has this guy. Do you want to be a Doobie Brothers? Do you want to be a well, Chicago? You be an Alvin brother?
0: Oh, no, don't even. Well, don't well I'm compare.
1: just saying, but they, they've even, had lots no, of no, different no, no, iterations no, no, of the almonds. No, 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 Little Feet, no. they got a new lead don't singer. Compare. Remember Little Feet?
0: Of course I do. Don't compare, please. <laughs> don't put the almond. I just got my, we got to get out of here. I know. I know. I just got that Spotify wrapped thing. Yeah, yeah. What, was your, what was your number one? I am in the top one half of 1% of all Led Zeppelin fans in the world, according amazing. to Spotify. That is amazing. According Are you to sure Spotify. you're doing the math right? They sent it to me. So, how much you're listening to? A lot is up And left. then my number, I think it was Zeppelin. Believe it or not, the Beatles were up there. But I Bruce Springsteen. That. I like that. The Who and the Rolling Stones.
1: You, August 30th, you
0: went and saw Bruce Springsteen at the Meadowlands. Man, full moon, beautiful night. Beautiful night. And he kicked ass. It and that was, was one of the last shows until he got sick. It was a Wednesday. He's coming back, though. They just, Who's they,
1: the, the boss, he, yeah. They Why wouldn't he? Well, I mean, they introduced a bunch of new shows.
0: Rangers, by the way, we'll get out of here, I promise. Yeah. Rangers coming off a loss that you were at.
1: Yeah, Monday night.
0: Bad. Came back. The Red Wings are a good young team. Down 2 1 late. They scored two goals. They win 3 2. Shusterkin stands on his head. Yep. Johnny Brodzinski, as you were saying earlier, he looks like he belongs. Like, I like that. He's a North South player and he's going to get in your face. So, you know what? I like what he's bringing to the team. Obviously, Adam Fox coming back. This team is well, rounding into form. So when
1: you, when you, when you and if you can Rob imagine,
0: Dane. when Mika's Abinajat starts scoring goals, which he has not done this year, he's contributed in other ways. Yeah, I mean, this is a dangerous. He had a nice
1: assist on Monday night.
0: Oh, yeah, he's, no, yeah. no, no. He's an elite player. This yeah. is not. This is not an yeah. indictment. I love him. Yeah, I love his game. I love his relationship with Chris Kreider. I mean, it's beautiful. Yeah, and I think one of the unsung heroes of this team, as you've said a number of times as well is Ryan Lindgren. Nobody understands what he brings to the team. He is a fucking
1: warrior. It seems like you understand. Oh, know, no, no, like I could. I mean, oh, now you can just I say could the F word wherever you want. You, you would give it the, the, per, no, no, the permission structure was given on national TV yesterday by Elon Musk. With Apparently, Al-Sharkin. I don't know why they didn't zap that out. Did that offend you or no? No, I don't doesn't offend me at all what would it be like though if like on any news channel anybody could just start saying why not you know, i
0: mean who word? are we kidding at this point right
1: so i mean my honestly, mom my mom
0: hates it i'm just saying she might a, hate it but she's, she's heard individual. the word before yeah she doesn't like it uh, i
1: i mean you know they say highly intelligent people curse a lot oh and it feels great too to use a good f word like 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 drop well. it, yeah. oh yeah it, it, it's like it's almost sometimes like sometimes you a, gotta yeah sometimes you gotta all right should we do it
0: it's been fun yeah. I want to thank Elizabeth Young. That, of course, is EY from SoFi, who will be skiing soon, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Do I, if I tell where she is, that's Doxing, or yeah, so I won't. Actually. Obviously, Butters, who does tremendous work. want to thank our sponsors, FactSet, SoFi. Get your money right on one app. Yeah. And FactSet, financial data and analytics powered by? Tomorrow. We won't be here tomorrow, but we'll be here on Monday. Uh, so stick around. By the way, we're going to have a great, if you want to listen to a podcast, yeah. Mike Wilson from Morgan Stanley is joining us. That drops tomorrow check it out. On the
1: tape, baby. Thanks. Thanks for being here.